Welcome here. Welcome in the name of the one who says, Be still and know that I am God. The one who rebuked the waves and the winds, and there was a calmness, there was a stillness, there was a peace. There was a calm after the storm. Be still and know that I am God. That is God's message for your heart as his child today, for your life as his child today, not just for today, but for tomorrow. Be still and know that I am God. We are a blessed people today. God is so good. It's a song that's very simple. It's a very profound message, but it's a very honest message that we can sing with our hearts. We sing it often back home uh, in, our, in our congregation from time to time we sing that song. But just in case today you're here and you, you feel like God isn't good, there's, there's some wrestlings within your heart maybe with what's happening in your life, I just want to read to you a, a, a little article here of counting our blessings, helping us understand how truly blessed we really are and how truly good God is. If you woke up this morning with more health than illness, you are more blessed than the million that won't survive the week. If you have never experienced the danger of battle, the loneliness of imprisonment, the agony of torture, or the pangs of starvation, you are ahead of 20 million people around the world. If you attend a church meeting such as this without the fear of harassment, arrest, torture, or death, you are more blessed than almost 3 billion people in the world. If you have food in the refrigerator, clothes on your back, a roof over your head, and a place to sleep, you are richer than 75% of the entire world. If you have money in the bank, in your wallet, or spare change in a jar, you are among the, the top 8% of the world's wealthy. And it's probably even more than that, that this community here, this, that you all are a part of, is even in the very elite of maybe the 3 or 4%, top 3 or 4% of the world's wealthy. It's, I'm not done yet. If your parents are alive, if they're both alive and still married, you are very rare, especially here in the United States. Can you believe that? You feeling blessed yet this morning? You feeling like God is good to you yet today? We are rare people today. We are rare from what most of the, most of the folks in society are experiencing. If you hold up your head and smile and are truly thankful, you are blessed because the majority can, but most do not. Friends, dear ones, today we can be the most we should be the happiest people on this side of eternity. We really should be, and we should let that flow out. Put a smile on your face this morning. Some of you are sitting here with a little sober face this morning. I just want everybody to exercise those muscles for a moment. Just smile. Let it go. Let it out. Let the life of Jesus flow through you, and let it radiate out to others, dear ones. It's a gift. It's a blessing. It takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. So let it, let it out. If you can hold someone's hand today, give them a hug, or even touch them on the shoulder, you are blessed because you can offer them God's healing touch. If you can read this message or even hear this message this morning, you are more blessed than two billion people who can't read anything at all. We're so blessed this morning in so many ways, in ways that we can't even understand. Let's give God our hearts. Let's give God our devotion. Let's give God our praise. Let's stand in awe of how he has taken care of us. And let's not grumble and complain ever. There is never, ever an excuse to grumble and complain 
and gripe against God for where we are in life. Let's just bow our heads together and thank him. God, here we are on this Sunday morning, March 17, 2019. Our hearts are beating within us. There is life. There is blood flowing. We have a heart. We have a mind. We have an understanding of truth. We have been given so much, Lord, from the the rich heritage that has been handed to us, that has been given to us, that has been poured into our lives. And the list could just go on and on and on today, Lord, where we could just stand back and say, Thank you. Thank you, O Father, for blessing us the way that you have. Lord, help us to understand that we're blessed. But more importantly, Lord, help us to understand that we are not worthy. We are not worthy this morning of the blessings that we have in Christ Jesus our Savior and our Lord, the one who brings calmness, the one who brings a still calm in the midst of the storms. And even, Lord, as the storm is quieted, you are there. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God in the night and you are the God in the day. You're still God in the bad times and you're still God in the good times. You are our Father today, Lord, and we are just so privileged to be called your children. Help us, Lord, to worship you in awe and adoration. Help us to be open to your Holy Spirit once again as you want to walk close with us and speak close to us again today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. What's on my heart and what's on my mind this morning is building for eternity, and I trust all week we've been building for eternity. That's why you've chosen to come to worship every night because you want your heart and your, your soul right with God. And you want to live for Him in your life. And you want to honor Him. And you want to be a blessing to those around you. And the list could go on. But eternity, we want to build for eternity. Eternity, dear ones, is just ahead. It's within sight. The finish line is really close. We talked about that last night. That's why we don't want to quit. We don't want to give up running the race that God's called us to. Eternity is just ahead. And sometimes to bring this home... You think about Monday night we started to gather for these services, and here we are at Sunday morning, just six days later. We're six days closer now than we were Monday night of seeing our Savior or finding ourselves throughout the endless ages of eternity. We're six days closer. There's six days that we cannot go back and undo what was done. We cannot go back and redo the choices that was made. Praise God we can cry out to Him for, for repentance, for reconciliation, whatever the need might be, but... We are six nights closer, six days closer to eternity. And I believe this morning, I'm sure it's your desire that when we stand before God, we hear those words, well done. We don't hear those words, I never knew you. We want to be safe on the other side. And this morning I'm particularly thinking about us as moms and dads and how we are raising our children and giving them a vision of what it looks like to build for all eternity. This is just a springboard of what we're going to experience over there on the other side. And I believe this morning that whether you're here as a dad and a mom, if you really care and you really love your children, you want them to be safe on the other side. You want them to. Every, every school teacher that's here, I see a school teacher back here that I talked with this week. There are several school teachers here, I believe. If you care about your students, what should guide you, what should uh, lead you every day is the thought, of the, insp- the inspiration that I want these students to gain knowledge that helps prepare them for all eternity. Every pastor who stands before his congregation and looks at the beloved sheep that God has given him care of, 
desires that we all would be safe on the other side. How do we get there? How do we build for eternity? Turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Just in case you're wondering, as we sang this morning, that Jesus is coming and he's coming soon. I'm a believer of that. I don't know how soon. I don't know when and neither do you. But there are some people in this world who feel like Jesus isn't going to come back. If he was going to come back, he would have come back a long time ago. They were talking about him coming back back in the Bible days, and he still hasn't returned. And there's others who believe that we're here in the time Jesus already came back, and we're in the rapture maybe now, or we're in the, the, uh, the period where, well, we're not going to get into eschatology, okay? But we're in, we're in another period than Jesus already came and received his own. Read with me 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, where this, this verse is said, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Remember, God says what he means. He means what he says. And when God says it, that settles it. Some people say God said it. I believe and that settles it. No, 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 no. God said it and that settles it. You and I have the choice to believe it or not. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But... Get the heart of God here. He is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for... And hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens, and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. And he continues on there of encouraging us to be ready, to be ready. Building for eternity. God will tell his son one day, go and bring my children home. And you and I, have that blessed opportunity, opportunity to be a watching and waiting for that moment. Now go with me to Matthew chapter 7 as we think about building for eternity. Matthew chapter 7. Showing us as moms and dads today, personally, I think that's where we want to take this message. Matthew 7 verse 24 says, well let me back up actually in verses 21 Jesus is speaking here, actually, in the whole chapter of Matthew 7. And you can see in verse 14 that he's calling us to that straight and narrow way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Verse 15, he's saying, Beware of false prophets in your day, because there's going to be some that come and try to pull pull you away from the fold of which I have called you to. Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening, ravening wolves. Verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So if we're doing the will of the Father, which is in heaven, we don't need to worry about this verse. But there are some people who have put in their heart and put in their soul and put in their mind that as long as I go to church, maybe I'll even go to prayer meeting and maybe I'll be at church every time, God will recognize that deed and he will say, welcome into my fold. And, and, and uh, the verse here says, many will say to me in that day in verse 22, Lord, Lord, have what not we not prophesied in thy name? 
Have we not cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? All of a sudden they're finding all kinds of recognition in the wonderful works with which they are doing. Now, I do want to be careful here because if you would go to Revelations and read there close to first, I think it's chapter 20 and 21, maybe even in 22, God is going to judge us by our works when we stand before him. Our works will follow our faith in Jesus Christ. But it's our faith. By grace are you saved through faith and then not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, right? Not of works lest any man should boast. So it is our faith in Jesus that's going to, that's going to give us the... the uh, I was going to say the credibility. I'm not sure that that's even quite the right word. But that's going to give us favor with God of saying welcome home because of what he has done for us. And many a person, I'm afraid, is, is thinking they're going get, to get before God at the judgment day and say, you know what all I've done? You know what all I've done? And then he's going to say, verse 23, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. I never knew you. I never knew you as my son. I never knew you as my daughter. Yes, I maybe saw your works and I saw what you were doing. I saw the choices that you were making. You were wanting everybody else to think you looked good and that you were well. But your heart was far from me. And he says, depart from me, ye that work iniquity, I never knew you. The saddest words that you'll read in the scripture. And the saddest words that many a soul will hear as they stand before God. But we want to build for eternity in light of of being with Jesus. Verses 24 then to 27. Very familiar parable. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. That when the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Are you wise? Or are you foolish? Are you building on the rock? Or are you building on the sand? Go with me now in your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. Much scripture here that we can look at. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. We're talking about building for eternity today. And we're going to get practical here in just a little bit of what that looks like in our homes, hopefully. How we as moms and dads are raising our children to prepare for eternity. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 8 says... Well, we talked about this verse this morning. Maybe I'll back up and start at verse 5 that was mentioned this morning uh, by several of the brothers in our Sunday school class. Who then is Paul, who is Apollos, but ministers by whom ye believed? Even as the Lord gave to every man, I have planted, he says, and Paulus watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now, he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. And another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Take heed how he buildeth thereupon. Verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, 
Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. And he continues on there talking about us as God's temple. It shall be pretty clear to us this morning that it's imperative what and what our foundation is that we're building upon this morning. And we've been building on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that name which is above every name. No person is going to take away Jesus Christ. In fact, if we don't want to worship him today, the Bible says that every knee is going to bow, every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is not just our Savior. Many people want to call him our Savior, but very few want to call him Lord and let him take control of our lives. That's where the blessing is. Sure, we want to be saved, but there's blessings in pursuing him and in walking with him and giving our lives in obedience to his will. And I trust that's your desire and that's your heart today. Jesus Christ is the only foundation worth building upon that guarantees a promising future. Many things stand strong and firm on dry ground. Many things will hold their place for a while, but when the wind begins to blow, when the weak points of, are, are tested in our lives, that's whenever the, the reality of who we are begins to show its form. And it takes downstream all that is not rooted and grounded on a firm foundation. I'm inspired by these verses. I'm inspired by the wise man and the foolish man. Two men. Two men who set out to do the same thing. They built their houses. They, they worked. They sawed. They nailed. They cut. They built their houses. One on the rock and one on the sand. Two men who was willing to do it. But when the storm of judgment came, only one was able to stand and the other was flattened. And that's how this world will be judged one day. There will be many houses who have fallen flat and there will be houses who have stood strong because of Jesus Christ and with the difference that he's made in our lives. Sometimes God sends us storms to test where our anchor holds, and we've learned about that this week. Many of you know what storms and blessings in life are, the highs and the lows as it is. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6. This verse was read this week as well in, in our prayer meeting uh, prior to a service. In all thy ways acknowledge him. Put God first in everything in our building. Put God first in our everything. And my question this morning as we think about this home, the home and how parents can be raising our children in light of eternity, what you ask your child as they look at your life, what is it about your life that convinces them that God is your God, God is your Father, and that He is what is first in your life? Think of God in whatever you do. Is God the motive of everything that you do in life? Is he the one that is first in spite of what you're facing? You know, what wouldn't we want God to tell us to do today? We tend to live in a society where you don't you tell me how to live my life. I'm going to live my life. You live yours. I'll be okay with you if you're okay with me. Individualism. Individualism. Let me live how I want to live and you live how you want to live and we'll be happy. Is that what God calls us to as his body of believers today? No, it's not. And if we care about Jesus, we care about what he teaches. We care about how he tells us to live our lives. And so what wouldn't I want Jesus to tell me to do in life? If we include Jesus in all that we do, we'll not lack in anything. And I believe that today. I believe that. And I believe as we surrender our lives to him, he shapes us into men of integrity, men of honesty, men of wholehearted devotion to him. 
men that people see our good works because of the result of what's happened within our heart, and they glorify our Father which is in heaven too. The Bible says that, that men will do that as they look at your life and mine. Men who are willing to follow wherever God leads. Men who have a heart of humility and a heart of obedience and a heart of surrender to Jesus Christ as our head today. C.H. Spurgeon once asked, If a piece of iron could speak, a piece of iron could speak, what would it say? It would say, I am hard, I am black, I am cold. He said, and this is completely true, Spurgeon says, but if you put this piece of iron into the fire and wait a while until the fire has proved its strength, what would it say then? The blackness is gone, the coldness is gone, and the hardness is gone. It has undergone a transformation. But if this piece of iron could speak, it would not boast of itself because the fire and the iron are two very different things. If it could boast, it would boast of the fire that had transformed it into something completely different. I and myself am black and cold and hard, Spurgeon says. But when the Lord takes possession of my soul, when his spirit permeates my being and I am filled with his spirit and his love, then the blackness, the coldness, the hardness disappears yet the glory does not belong to me but to the lord who accomplished it that is so beautiful friends whenever you see a heart that is being transformed by the fire in their life the fire that is difficult it's hot it is really hot but god is transforming us into his likeness into his image and just remember that whenever there's a piece of your flesh needs to be ripped off and replaced with God, there is something divine that will carry you throughout the endless ages of eternity. As we deny ourselves and put on Jesus, there is something that is divine. The flesh will die. Our bodies will, will go back to the dust when we die here. But as we put on Christ, that's something that will live forever. And we want to be transformed in that way. Now go with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Some more verses here. Talking about building for eternity. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. You know, sometimes we make the Christian life really hard. We make it so difficult. It's just so, because we're not willing to die. That's just, we just need to die. Okay, but well, this is simple. this is making it pretty simple here. Set our affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead. Remember, you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse four says, "Who Christ, when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with Him in glory." Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth: fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Many will build upon idolatry. Many will feed on these things. And we've talked about this, that this week, and we're not going to get into it again this morning, of what it looks like to build our houses on the sand and the, sure, the surety that they will fall as if we continue to build there. But if we come and build our house on the rock, the difference will, will be made. Set our affections on the rock. Set our affections on things above and build accordingly. Build on that foundation. How fleeting these earthly things are. And sometimes we as dads, sometimes we as moms, maybe it starts with the dads where we try to give our wife, we try to keep our wives happy, and so we'll go out and we'll buy this and we'll fix that up in the house, and we'll try to give them just a perfect environment that makes them happy. And sometimes our children maybe will we'll try to, I don't know, do all kinds of things and go out and buy the toys that they can go out and get hurt on and all of this stuff and try to take care of them in a in a very generous manner because we have the means to do it. We have the money to go out and and purchase these things. And we forget how fleeting these things are. And I wonder, I wonder if we're doing those things and how much time and how much we're building for eternity and giving them the vision if we're willing to just give them what, what our means is able to handle. A man who talks about parents who are willing to just go and buy toys and all kinds of stuff for their children he says this he says take your children on a trip to a junkyard or a garbage dump he said this can be a big family event the lines are shorter than the amusement parks entry is free and little boys love it so dads this is something we can do for our sons show them all the mountains of treasure which were once christmas and birthday presents Show them the things which once cost hundreds of dollars, which children fought over, destroyed friendships over, for which honesty was sacrificed and over which marriages broke up. Show them the collection of arms, legs, and the mangled remains of broken dolls, rusty robots, and electronic devices, which after their short lifespan now lie around useless. Show them that most of the things which their families possessed will one day, lie in a garbage heap. And if all that we own is soon lying around, broken and useless, what have I done which will remain for eternity? Someone expressed it this way, every temporal possession can be turned into an eternal treasure Because whatever we give to Jesus, in that same moment, it becomes immortal. It becomes immortal. We've got another passage to turn to yet, and it's Psalm 127. Psalm 127. I love this passage. Moms, dads, listen carefully. Psalm 127, verse 1. Accept... The Lord build the house. They labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. 
Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Our children need to know that God is building our home. They have got to know that. They have got to know that God is the head of my home. God is the one that I have my faith and my trust in. God is the one that I'm not just praying to and I'm not just talking with, but that He is in control of my home and He is the one that it matters how we make choices in life. He is the one that it matters that we honor as we make choices in life. Our children need to know that God is building our home. Every home has real human beings with real difficulties, real problems that need to be met in our homes. And it needs to be dealt with in a heaven-approved way. A heaven-approved way. There are real duties to perform, real problems to be met, real difficulties to be overcome. And you could go in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, where it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ loves the church. And it goes on to, I think it's actually back up three verses there in Ephesians 5, verse 22, if I have it right, where it teaches wives how to love their husbands, how to, to submit and respect and honor their husbands. But as I think about this message this morning, I look at, I look at this side of the house most Because I think we have the highest responsibility as dads, as husbands, that if we are willing to take our place in the headship order, we have Christ, we have man, we have woman, we have children. If we are willing to take our place under Christ, Christ is our head, dads. If we're willing to find our role and love our wives as Christ loves the church, I mean, what a, what a calling is that? What a responsibility is that? And so often we have husbands sometimes that are really upset with their wife and they're going to the counselor and they're saying, boy, if you had to live with the woman I have to live with, you would understand why our problems are, are as great as they are. And men are not willing to be men and take their place and take their place of leadership. There is many a man that needs to step up and say, I will take my place as a husband, as a father. And the list can go on with the responsibilities that we're given. We need to be men and accept our God-given responsibilities and our God-given duties in life. Where are the men today? I believe and I trust that I'm looking at a few men today who are wanting to take their place in the home and love their wives. Friends, the best thing we can do for our children is to love their mother. I think it's simple this morning. I really think it's simple. But every day we're conveying to our children a message of whether God's building our home by how much we're loving their mother. And I believe every man that's willing to pledge his heart and his life to his his wife, he needs to to serve her with his money-making powers. He needs to serve her with his brain. He needs to serve her with what what he is able to give her. He needs to lead out in family worship. He needs to take the lead in some of these things. He needs to be the one that's calling out correction for their children and disciplining them in a way of service, not in a way of lording himself over them, but in a way of honoring Jesus. And the family unit begins to follow a man who is searching the ways of God and how God wants him to raise his family. I don't know. I shared with you the other night, the earlier part of this week, of the mother who was praying for her children, who was praying for her five sons, 
who was weeping over the word of God as she was seeking God's will for her life, acknowledging that she didn't know how to do it and she needed his help. I just ask us this morning, where is her husband? Where are the men who are willing to do that today? And I, I, I say this, and it's close to my heart because of the youth that I talk with and the young men that I work with who don't have a very good relationship with their dads. I'm not the only one, friends, who struggles sometimes in knowing how to relate to my heavenly daddy because my, my life with my earthly daddy has been, fr- been broken. And there's been distance there. And there are sometimes there are young people who are confused and there are splits and splinters of understanding of what all this looks like because dads were not willing to be dads. Except the Lord build the house. Our labors, our efforts, our desires for our children, it, the Bible says it's in vain. And we're going to be disappointed at the results of our children. And I know you're looking at a man who's just 32 years old. My oldest child is 10, and I have so much to learn. I mainly can speak this morning from the perspective of a youth. I mainly can speak from the, from the perspective of a young man who has grown up in a home. So I, I, I do not stand here this morning as one who says, I have the answers. You need to listen here. God's word does. And there are gray-haired brothers among us that gives all kinds of, of advice and experience into our lives that is a blessing but we stick close to the word of god i believe that he will help us i believe so god won't lead us astray of course but children young people youth today i know we have some bad moms out there i know we have some bad dads out there i'm aware of that i get that and we have some black and blue eyes and some broken arms in our settings that are not always very attractive and i get that but we as young people, we as, we as youth who are growing up and making decisions in life can never, ever, ever justify our decisions because of the way dad lived his life or because of the way mom has lived her, her life because they weren't willing to take their place in the relationship in the family unit. We can never make an excuse for my life. Ephesians 6, 1 to 3 says, Children, all of us are a child today. We all have moms and dads. Maybe they're living and maybe they're not. That is, this applies to everybody. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it goes on to say that you, you shall have long life if you're willing to honor and respect your parents. And I can remember going around and around with my dad on Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, that says, as he told me, children must obey their parents in the Lord. And I said, but daddies are not supposed to provoke their children in wrath. And we began to use each other, and we used to begin to abuse Scripture, and we began to throw it back and forth at each other, trying to justify our position. And friends, it'll never work. It'll never work to try to force it down somebody's throat. But living the example goes miles. Dads and moms, the living the example goes far more than what your words will ever give into your children's lives. Remember that as you let God build the house. How do we practically build for eternity in our homes? How do we do it? Dads, are you interested in the life of your child? Are you interested in the life of not just your 5 and 10 and 15 year old, but in the life of your older teenagers as well? Are you interested in their life? Does your child know that dad is interested in my life? Does your child, does your daughter know that mom really cares about where I'm at in life right now? 
I just wrote down a few practical points of, of bringing in the communication here, play, pitch, and catch. Listen when they talk. Listen when they talk. Let them know that you hear them when they talk. Show interest in their projects. Care about what music your young men are listening to, your young ladies are listening to. Care about what they're looking at when they're on their computer or on their smartphone. And we can go into all of that. We already did a little bit this week. Just show interest there. Be involved. Hold them accountable. Have a relationship with your sons and with your daughters in these ways. And it doesn't have to be a tense relationship. It doesn't have to be a controversial subject. If you're open with them and maybe acknowledge where you have fallen or where you have failed in various areas of your life, be real with them. Let them know you're not perfect. Or maybe you are. I'm, are you perfect here this morning? See, if we're never wrong, dads, if we're never wrong, moms, our children will never be wrong. Do you believe that? One of the most beautiful three words that we can share with our children is, I am sorry. We talk to our children in a way that has brought them to even tears because of the roughness of our voice or the frustration that was pouring from us. It takes a man to go back and get on your knees around the bed or on the bed with your children and say, listen, Dad has messed up. I am sorry. Will you forgive me? It takes a man to do that this morning. But there are a lot of dads who have been hurt by their dads. Excuse me. They've been hurt by their parents, and they don't know how to do that. Sometimes it's just coming down on their level. Brother Franklin, what did you read to us this morning? Accept the faith of a child. We are all to come as, as little children this morning to the kingdom, and then we shall see the kingdom of God. Then we can be a part of the kingdom if we come as a child. I think the husband and wife relationship, the openness that you have with each other, speaks volumes into the prosperity of your children as well. If husbands are hiding things from their wife, if wife is hiding things from their husband, children see straight through that. They see straight through that. Parents, talk with your children. Please have a heart. Please have a relationship with your children. Do you have a family altar in your home, dads? Do you have a family altar? Is there a coming around and opening up the word of God? Letting God himself just speak into your family. Speak life into your family. Understand the Bible together. Understand the scriptures together. This is a way to practically build God's house as we let God come in and do his work. But we welcome him and we make him priority. Bible reading habits show their interest. They really do. I heard it was was a testimony at least this week, I think. Maybe it was Sister Lori back here that talks about remembering it was your mother reading her Bible. Many scenes, precious memories, how they linger, those are the things that come back and remind us whenever we're trying to choose to live life for ourselves, pursue the sins of this world, and we, re- we go back and remember what mama and what dad was willing to teach me. That are some of the most precious scenes that we can remember. They're making God a priority. They understand that God has to build their house or it's going to fall flat. 
Brother John Smucker just mentioned this morning about one of the things he likes to do when he's facing the storms is to just sing. I tell you, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when a family around that family altar begins to sing out praises to Almighty God and just sing together as a family. There is little power. There is little testimony that is greater than a family who is strong in the Lord. And our society is longing to see families like that again. They don't know what that even looks like hardly anymore. Sing together, dear ones. Give your heart to God in that way. Talk about Jesus and what he's doing in your life. And don't just do it to the adults at church. Do it with your children at home. This is just some of the practical aspects, practical little points that I want to give us this morning as we think of building for eternity and how we can do it in a God-honoring way. In a God-honoring way. It's 11.30 and it's time to close this message. I'm going to read a song that probably you've heard sung before. Expressing the heart of a little boy as he's crying out to his daddy. After this song, I'm going to ask the chorister to come and lead us in the song and then Brother Jonathan will, will close the service. Daddies, listen carefully. Listen to the hearts. No matter how small or big they are, listen to the hearts of your sons here today. Daddy, will you be there for me when I wake up in the night? When I cannot close my eyes and sleep, will you rock me, hold me tight? Will you drive my tractor on the floor and pitch my balls and push my swing? May I come to you with broken toys? Will you mend my broken things? Will you be there? Will you love my mommy and hug me every day? Oh, Daddy. Daddy, will you be home at night and teach me how to pray? When you come home from your work at night, Daddy, then I want you near. There are problems that are too big to me. Will you stop and give your ear? I don't care if you are rich or poor. I just want to have your heart. Let me read that again. I don't care if you are rich or poor. I just want to have your heart. I just want to know that you're my friend. I'll try to do my part. Will you be there when I have a problem and I need to share? Oh, Daddy, Daddy, will you be there for me? Will you really care? Daddy, will you be there for me when I need someone to care? When I face this life's complexities and I'm ready to despair, and I, am I more to you than anything? Do you love me? I'm your child. May I come to you with broken dreams when I'm broken and defiled? Will you be there? Will you guide me? Will you help me to forgive? Oh, Daddy, Daddy, will you be there for me and teach me how to live? Daddy, will you be there for me? When I face my setting sun, when I stand before the judgment seat, will I hear those words, well done? Will you have taught me right from wrong? Will your teaching stand the test? Will I enter into heaven's land with my Lord forever blessed? I'm depending on you, Daddy. And I hope you understand. Oh, Daddy, Daddy, you are my gift from God. Take me and hold my hand. God bless you.